Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hey Is. Hi Em. We have officially entered our post-Vanderpump era. <laughs> Post-Vanderpump? I don't know what you're talking about. I am currently sitting here in my Something About Her merch with Ariana that says, fuck me in this t-shirt. <laughs> So I am anything but past Scandal. <laughs> of course you are. You're the girl that bought the merch at the concert and is just continuously wearing it to relive that night. <laughs> Not only did I buy the merch at the concert, I have your shirt sitting right next to me ready to go. So next week you will also be matching with me. So don't even, don't even try me. Best purchase I ever made. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag not an ad, just a fan. <laughs> oh my God, not John Hamm and John Slattery doing a James Kennedy and Tom Sandoval Clubhouse Playhouse. No, I, I that clip of John Hamm on Good Morning America, the Today Show, talking about being a Bravo lover. It's soft porn. It's not okay. We've heard him talk about Bravo before. Like I think on Howard Stern, he was talking about Erica and the earrings that time, which I actually forgot about. But something about him saying Vanderpump. But then when he pulled out the, yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see what they're going to do with the new Housewives of New York. I was like, okay, this is not just some funny bit where you know a couple names or you've seen a couple episodes. You are in deep. And that, my friend, is probably the hottest thing I could ever imagine. I mean, yeah, John Hamm's sitting there genuinely curious as to how the New York reboot is going to go. Like, you can say sophomore. To me, that's doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, like, I want to send that to guys and be like, this is all you got to do. I don't know. But you got to be John Hamm to, like, pull it off in that way. Well, I was going to say to you, remember a few years ago, he was at some event that I was at and I texted you. I was like, listen, I can't speak to what he's like as a person speaking only visually. He's one of the most attractive men I've ever been in the same space as it's like that. He just oozes sex appeal. I have another thought I'd like to share actually that I've been thinking about. Well, actually I've only been thinking about it for the last 10 minutes, but I think you'd actually appreciate this. So Erica Jane, remember her, um, she posted (laughs) a TikTok just just like doing this funny dance to that TikTok sound that's like, give me one margarita, I'm going to open my legs. You're familiar. Uh, do I? know? I'm, I'm more than familiar. That song and Uber One Good as Gold are the only two things that just play on my mind in a loop. Constantly all day in a way that, honestly, I feel comforted knowing that it exists for other people in that same way. Anyway, my friend Carly sent it to me and said, she slayed and I'm not afraid to say it. And I honestly, it made me think, are we going to have an Erica Jane renaissance? Like, is she going to come back this season and be, look, not a different person, but 
there will be no Rinna, which I think separating the two of them will be huge for the community. And she's sort of been served a little justice and like everything that's come out about Tom has just been so terrible. By the way, I think he's going to be able to testify in court. They found that he was fit mentally to do that. So that'll be crazy to play out while they're filming. But I don't know. I just feel like maybe it's also because I'm currently in my just random vintage Housewives rewatching. I'm watching her first season right now. And I really was taken back to like, what I thought of her and how I felt about her in the very beginning and all of the qualities that made her not only likable, but just such a good housewife. And I really think we could end up circled back around that. Of course, way more educated and not as naive and you know, in so much deeper, but that's my prediction for this season. And I think we should all just marinate on that for a little bit. No, I don't think it's far off at all. I mean, Rinna being out of the equation is something that we cannot ignore in terms of the fan reaction to Erica. Again, the reason people disliked her wasn't because of Rinna, but the level to which people disliked Rinna coupled with the anger people felt towards Erica really just made it a pretty impossible situation. So yes, I think she has a real opportunity here to shift viewer perception. And I always go back to this. I'm not saying this is the right take, but I do find that this happens. A lot of it is going to depend on where Garcelle's at with her this year. Yeah. Because I find that people just trust Garcelle's read. And I'm and I'm one of those people. Like I'm raising my hand as people. So I'm I'm curious to see where Garcelle lands on her. Well Kathy Hilton basically confirmed that she's not shooting for the show at all. And I, I forget which one of them. I think it was Sutton, but don't quote me on that. I'll link it in the description. But They said overall, this is a much lighter season. And you know what? I'm not mad at that. Like maybe people will think it's boring, but we'll get to watch them potentially have a little bit of fun and have some petty gossip and drama instead of like the most heavy, horrible things. Uh, I could use the break. Listen, who who are we to turn down levity? So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. Okay, so obviously the main event here is part three of the Jersey Reunion. 
which had been teased to us in the previous weeks as riveting television. Andy was on, I believe, the Elvis Duran show saying that, you know, it was one of the most intense things that he has been in the presence for filming. And I think we all knew, you know, so much of this was going to be centered around Louis, which it was. My first question to you before we really dive into all the individual points, did part three live up to the hype that you had in your head? Yes, it did in such a a different way than I think I've ever experienced before. Like intense really is the right word to say it. And we've seen Teresa and Joe go at it. We've seen family drama with the Manzos, with Kyle and Kim and Kathy. Oh my God. But this, something about it felt so dark and so different and so finite. Yeah, I think in more of a severe way than we had seen before, but also the Louis of it all. I mean, this was not any longer an issue between Teresa, Melissa, and Joe. This was Louis not only having a direct issue with them, but also pretty much having an issue with every other person there. And you see, which I really want to dive into this a little bit later on, when it comes to the stuff with Dolores, with Frankie, you can tell these are complex issues. The whole thing was just like, if I'm Danielle sitting there, who like doesn't really have an issue involved with the Gorga and Teresa and everything. And I don't think Louie had a whole thing with her and her husband. I'm sitting there in my first reunion, like what the fuck did I get myself into? Well, by the way, we didn't even really talk about this because we haven't spoken about any other show the last few weeks. We've been so focused on Vanderpump. I do just want to say, going back to, I guess it was last week's, Danielle was entirely set up, realized on the couch that she was entirely set up did not say a word about it, pretty much kept a poker face until she's in her green room with her husband and she acknowledges it, which it's not really something to get into now because this season is over. But assuming Danielle comes back, that's something she's certainly going to have to ruminate on. Yeah. All of the trust and all of the dynamics of the group that I think she felt like she really had nailed down and was adjusting to were flipped on its head. And it was sort of all pointing in her direction. I actually applaud her so much for how she handled it. But I also think like once you process that, that's like, whoa, okay, I was pretty much fucked over. Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate because if you're putting her, Teresa, and Jennifer in one category, my money's on her in terms of who's the best person out of the three of them. So it, it just kind of sucks that she got herself screwed over. It's also insulting because not only did they screw her over, they like tried to make excuses for it and say, well, I had to because of this, 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 which were all bullshit. So it's just, it was such a layered issue. But yeah, I agree. We couldn't have just moved on without acknowledging that because it was not necessarily a plot twist, but just like a huge change up of what we thought the actual story was. I know we're going to dive deep into all of it, but I guess if I had to sum up the way that I feel about part three of this reunion and really the entire thing is like, Listen, the Teresa versus Melissa thing is a tale as old as time, and people are going to be on different teams throughout the years, depending on what was going on. No part of me thinks that Melissa and Joe are these angels that are 100% innocent in all of this. Of course not. It takes two to tango. And something we always say about them, even though we're generally fans of them, they have taken on this desire for fame in a way that I do think at times taints their view or what they would normally do if that wasn't a factor. All of that being said, if you ask me at the end of the day, whose side am I on between Teresa, Louie, Joe, and Melissa? I'm telling you, it's Joe and Melissa every time because as much as maybe they may bend things, I don't believe one fucking word that comes out of Louie's mouth. This 
episode confirmed that for me. We've been teetering while well, he seems like a good guy and she's never been happier and he it's a clean slate, blah, 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 like really justifying it because at the end of the day, she does seem happy. And there have been things that he said, you always say this, a broken clock is right twice a day. Like he, that's him. You know, of course he does things right once in a while, but overall the sketchiness and just overall anger and deep rooted issues, insecurities, whatever they are that came out of him, I would not trust him with a goldfish. Like I just, I can't explain to you how unsettled I felt every time he spoke and how everything, everything that he was faced with to ask to reply to. He said he misspoke or it was an accident or he didn't really mean to say that. Even kicking it off with the comment about wearing Nono's pajamas. He says, oh, I misspoke. What I actually meant was some bullshit. I misspoke about Bo Deedle, the private investigator in the heat of the moment. They're like, well, you said the exact same thing calmly, quietly the next day. Like It was all just this big lie and it really fucked with me. Even with those two things that you just listed, because I agree, it was very infuriating to watch. You know, here you have this guy making these very bold claims, standing behind them, repeating them, and then upon being called out on it, you know, immediately deferring to the fact that he misspoke, which is such bullshit, specifically such bullshit for the circumstance at hand here. But what was bothering me the most was Teresa's reaction to it, which I don't know why I'm surprised by that. I mean, this is exactly the way she handles things historically. But if the roles were reversed and Joe or anyone else on that opposite couch made a comment like that, and then when called on it, reverted back to, oh, I just misspoke. In no world would that ever be an acceptable answer. And somehow she truly believes in the deepest part of her soul that the rules are allowed to be rewritten for Louis. And you know, as a watcher of Jersey for so many years, it's it's like baffling and honestly, at the most basic level, just annoying. You're right. It's so frustrating and it's so annoying as a viewer. So I can only imagine them sitting there in the seats. Like you can't point things out like that to Teresa. And it's so hard to pick a side in this battle because it's such a lose-lose situation. Like there's not a winner here. I'm not so obsessed with either side, but I just feel maybe that actually what Frank Catania said at the very end really shifted my perspective and made me think a lot like, you know, it's been bad. It's been really bad. And we've seen that. We've seen them go to jail. We've seen these fights over and over, whatever. But it's never been as bad as it's been since Louis entered the picture. This was like, the way that Melissa and Teresa were talking to each other and even Joe and Teresa was disgusting. And every time, no matter what, no matter how disgusting it got or how torn apart the family was, we always ended the reunions or we always at least felt that there was a glimmer of hope and that no matter what, they loved each other. And I'm not saying they don't love each other. I know Joe said, you know, if God forbid something happened to you, I'd be there by your side. I just don't want to be friends. It's like, I love you. I don't like you kind of thing. But I agreed with Frank. This was a whole new level. And the only change in the equation after decades of this same hamster wheel is, is Louie. Well, I think, you know, kind of what Frank was saying without actually saying it is that specifically with the Jersey cast, not only between the actual relatives, but just across the board, there's this like unspoken set of rules that they all operate within. And a lot of it comes from, you know, maybe the traditional Italian beliefs. A lot of it comes from the way that they were raised. It's, you know, you see it sometimes arise when Dolores is talking about being raised in Patterson and just some of the 
strong morals and principles that she chooses to live her life by. You know, there are certain things they just won't discuss. There are certain areas they won't go. There are certain things when it comes to the parent-child relationship that they really honor. It comes up in a lot of different ways. And and I consider it to be an overwhelmingly positive thing. And so no matter how messy, no matter how gross at times it got, there was always like a safety net kind of, of it just won't go lower than this because we won't allow it. And what I felt Frank was saying is that once Louis came in, that unspoken set of rules ceased to exist. You know, he came at it in a way that it's just kind of something they don't do. You know, it's like the best way that I can put it. And what I felt like I was seeing here was them all scrambling, trying to respond to something that they never thought they would have to confront on TV in this kind of a way. Right. It was like this unspoken understanding of like, this is how we do things around here. Even though it gets awful, like at the end of the day, I also think that there was, it wasn't like a safety net, but almost this looming feeling that no matter what, they all were going to have to sort of return and film the show again together. So they had to keep things at at least like the lowest bar of cordial. And I think that that, I mean, at least I felt that that was no longer at, at play here. Like it went, it went up completely past that. So they sort of said, fuck that and gave zero fucks about seeing each other again, filming the show, the future of the show, almost like it was, it was so serious and so bad that they had absolutely nothing to lose. But also because the things that they were dealing with coming from Louie, I think were areas they hadn't really gone to before. And I know, listen, at the end of the day, it's his word against theirs. And if you go online, whichever side you're looking for, you're going to find evidence to support either claim. Even tonight, you know, there's already people saying John Fuda's claims are bullshit. It's so easy to find information on his ex. There's, there's people coming at it from both sides. Technically, none of us as viewers really, really know. But if you're asking me, I 100% believe Margaret that Louis was behind a call that threatened her son at work. I believe John Fuda that Louis had a hand in investigating what was going on with his ex-wife and so on and so forth. Like, I just don't think these specific allegations would have been brought up in this way if there wasn't some truth to them. And again, I, we can't prove it, you know, nor would we want to, but you watch the show and you have a gut check. And my gut check is telling me that Louis's bad news. A lot of people are saying, but why would Louis investigate them? Like, what does he have to gain from knowing stuff about John Fuda? You know, like he never did anything to them. He's barely involved. They're brand new, whatever. And I actually think what Melissa said is true that there's so much out there about Louis and last season with the video and all of these things coming from all his exes and like all the shit that was out there about him, which like, by the way, if any of it's true, it's only to, to his own fault. But he saw this as an opportunity to say, oh yeah, you guys are going to talk shit about me. I'm going to get shit on all of you. And he wanted a folder on every single person in the room so that if they did him dirty or said one thing or even looked at him in the wrong way, he could say, well, I know this, 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 this. And it, it all, of course, aligns. He himself is outing himself and saying, yeah, Bo Deedle's one of my best friends, private investigator. I have something on everyone. And then he's like, well, actually, I don't. I didn't hire him technically, but he brought this all to me. Then Marge and John Fuda and everyone is having all the same story aligned about how these investigators have been reaching out to people or trying to dig up things on them. I mean, if for nothing else, 
I know that Margaret does not want to bring up her son who is not involved in the show, has never filmed on the show, and whose father just died. And John Fuda doesn't want to bring up the mother of his child who was just adopted by Rachel and who they are trying to seize contact with and sort of keep that under wraps. Like those are literally, why would they ever throw themselves and the people that they love and care about under the bus? What to go after Louie to prove a point that he hired a PI? No, it's, it's, it just would never happen. But why, this is my thing that I don't understand. This is when I sometimes feel like we all need to snap out of it. And Teresa, even though we can acknowledge that she at times is very delusional. I sometimes feel like we as the audience feed into that delusion because as you just said, here we have Louis, not only in the heat of the moment at the finale, but then the next day calmly on camera saying that he has a private investigator on every single one of them. And now at the reunion, when he says he misspoke suddenly, we're going to act as though that is not proof enough. I'm not saying it was definitively Bo Deedle. Like, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I know Bo Deedle came out, said he never worked with him, whatever. I, I, forget Bo Deedle. Why do words like that come out of someone's mouth if there is no truth to that? And then followed up by multiple people with very specific receipts that would exactly prove the thing that he is now claiming he just misspoke about. I'm sorry, if it fucking looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, whatever that expression is, it's a fucking duck. <laughs> well, no? I think- no, of course. I think I can only speak personally. And honestly, like I swear to God in all seriousness, if you are so much more team Teresa or you have like some, I don't know, something to say, like I actually want to hear what you guys think about this because I'm open to hearing everything. But I personally feel one of the huge reasons that maybe you and I can empathize and feel more team Melissa or that a lot of people feel more team Melissa for millions of reasons. But one is that Teresa is so under Louis spell in so many ways. He sweet talks her and I genuinely believe he loves her. I don't think he's in it for like, I don't know what, like what's he going to get out of it. But I, I think besides being on the show, but I think she is so in love with him and so wrapped up in his whole shtick and his whole just like feeling safe with him and that he has everything covered in, in such a way that maybe she didn't feel with Joe Giudice because he's so loving and caring and seemingly puts her above all else. She's so wrapped up in that, that there is like the thickest layer of smog thicker than the New York city air quality last week in front of her and nothing will penetrate that. And she will do anything that I actually think she believes her own bullshit. And she will never, like being a hypocrite is not in Teresa's vocabulary because you're right. If Joe had said on camera something like, yeah, I hired a private investigator, she would say, but you said it, you said it. We heard you say it. Look, you're on camera saying it. But because it's Louis, it just doesn't count. It doesn't matter. So I feel we're having a similar experience as Melissa and Joe who are sitting there trying to get through and penetrate her brain and say, you have to look past this. We're not saying you have to divorce Louis, leave him tomorrow, but you have to see how this is affecting not only you, but your relationship with your brother. And you have to be able to look past the Louis of it all. And she just cannot do it. And I think us having that shared frustration with the Gorgas is sort of bonding and also pulls us more to their side because it's frustrating for all of us involved. Right. And all of that being said, because I am 100% aligned with you, I can still understand how Teresa got herself in this situation. I mean, we knew the ins and outs of her relationship with Joe Judice. Louis is a massive overcorrection. I'm not saying in an overwhelmingly positive way, but he is factually 
pretty much the polar opposite of Joe Judice in many ways. All of the things that Teresa longed for in Joe are things that Louis has in that he's willing to sit there and talk in depth about her feelings. He's willing to do the more romantic things. He doesn't want to just glaze over things. He wants to go deep. He wants to get sentimental. He wants to lean into that romance and this mindfulness, spirituality, yoga-driven lifestyle that she wants to. So all of those things, if you're Teresa coming out of this what ended up being a pretty loveless marriage with Joe Judice to you, if you're Teresa, I think this guy is as evolved as men come because in her view of men previously, men didn't talk about their feelings like this. Men didn't sit there and hear you in the way that he hears her. Like I think the, the qualities about Louis that would probably make him a pretty good salesman are the same things that she is so deeply drawn to. It's just that in the process all the other stuff is, I think, being swept under the rug and like in, a, I think, a very concerning way. I mean, I, I don't know the guy personally. I don't know Therese personally. I don't know any of them personally. So who are we to say? But from where we sit watching the show for this many years, I am so on Frank Catania's side in terms of this feels different. And what is the one outlier here? It's Louis. And think about what you just said, our journey even with Louis, we've had so many ups and downs, but I think we felt very overwhelmingly optimistic in the beginning because of how different he was than Joe Giudice, because of how happy she was. And now here we are. And I honestly think, truly, and I really believe this, that Joe and Melissa went into it with that same attitude because this was a, a whole freshly, I mean, her last husband literally sent her to jail. Like that doesn't get worse than that and missed some of her mother's last years. Like, that's terrible. But then his true colors started showing and all of these things and things started getting sketchy and things started meddling between the two of them. And now here we are. So again, another reason I feel like we sort of empathize inside with the Gorgas is because we had the exact same similar journey with Louis as them and we can understand. And I actually really, I really do believe that they welcomed him with open arms. Maybe they weren't perfect. Maybe they didn't do it exactly like Teresa wanted. And maybe they didn't invite her to dinners when she was single as much as she wanted now looking back. But I, I do think that the the sentiment was there. Right. And like, listen, I'm not going to overwhelmingly vouch for them in terms of how welcoming they were or were not to him when he first entered the equation. Do I think that they wanted to make it work? Absolutely. Do I think that they were perfect? No, I'm sure they were not. It's more so, you know, if you just watch the way that he communicates. It's in these very kind of thinly veiled threats infused then with a lot of deep eye contact, trying to really connect with someone on a heart level. You know, he will say the slimiest thing you have ever heard. And then he'll walk right over to John Fuda, shake Rachel's hand and tell her how wonderful of a mother he finds her to be. It's, it's, twisted the way that he operates. But you can see, I think, even just in this one hour reunion and how he kind of goes back and forth between being what I think he would categorize himself as this like profoundly evolved, emotionally in tune human being with like this guy that's ready to threaten anyone that comes in his way. And what I have such a problem with is in my eyes, the two can't coexist. Because if you are truly as evolved as you think you are in terms of being able to meet people where they're at and like handle things in this emotionally sound way, you don't then get to turn around one second later and say in due time, things will be seen. You know, the truth will be shown. It's like 
choose a fucking lane. Are you this spiritual guru or are you in the fucking mob? I think he thinks that if he has these good moments, it erases and makes up for all of these like really creepy threatening moments. Just like, by the way, what the fuck is he threatening? It was so, the whole thing was weird. I'll say it on the record and I'll say it loud and proud. Fuck me up, John Fuda. I, I was not like, listen, he's no Evan Goldschneider. Don't get me wrong, but he had such an incredible performance as a husband this week. And like, I really think him and Rachel are an incredible addition to the show. And I think he came up there. He said what he needed to say. He was straight to the point. He was level-headed. He didn't take any shit. He supported his wife and like literally a 10 out of 10. I think he was the MVP of this episode. I thought he killed it. I completely agree. I mean, I don't need tile at this moment, but if I did, I'm going to food a tile. Like I, he, the, th- the thing that I appreciated was that at least the way that I felt is what does this guy need to come into this show with unnecessary drama? Like this is, you know, sometimes over the years we've had these house husbands that really like to perform. And honestly, Joe Gorga is one of them. I mean, seeing Joe Gorga in real life. He's the face of the movement. Right. He is. I mean, he is a ham in the truest form. John Fuda is not. I think John Fuda is a guy whose wife wanted to go on Housewives and he was down for it. They had an interesting story to tell. He had some tile to sell. I think he was okay with it. In no world to me would this guy be bringing this to the table if it wasn't something that deeply impacted him and knew that it was a, a rock solid case. You know, like I know he didn't open up that manila envelope or at least from what we saw and it may come out on the uncut version, but like, I think if he did, we'd be seeing some shit. And then at the, at the end of the day, it's his word against Louis. And if you're asking me to choose, I'm, I'm riding with Fuda. <laughs> I think you just wrote Rachel's tagline next season. I have an interesting story to tell and some porcelain tiles to sell. <laughs> so- I'll tell you one thing, Porcelanosa is fucking shaking. I'll tell you another thing. These t-shirts I'm wearing that Ariana probably made 300 grand from, you put that on a t-shirt, we got ourselves a competitor. All right, now we're talking. (laughs) So Mother's Day is coming up, and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom, because... Realistically, no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her, but I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, and it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends, so... I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. 
So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. So you're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. I was so happy when Andy looked at Teresa and was like, you going this hard for Jacqueline is the joke of the century. Because no matter where you stand in all of this, even if you are a diehard Teresa supporter, you have to know that that being the hill that she's dying on and that being the thing that she's clinging to, it, that there's no way that lands. I know people were like being hard on Andy about how he overall handled this reunion, how he yelled at Teresa, whatever. But I actually felt that all of it was stemming from such a place of comfort. It was almost like that energy we say he has during like a Southern Charm Summer House Vanderpump reunion, but in a way that really, really with Andy and Teresa, they are like like a very weird dynamic brother and sister, dysfunctional. And that really, like even when they were talking backstage, like in Teresa's eyes, Andy literally will never ever could do wrong. And, and you just, I don't know, something about it all felt super comfortable. And as you were saying earlier, the layers to this fight go so deep, so many years, so many details. And truly, Andy has been there for all of it and has like, in a way, been their therapist and studied this. So if anyone knows it, if anyone's qualified to sit there and answer and ask the questions, it's him. Yeah. Listen, I everyone is completely entitled to their opinion in terms of the way that he handled any of these reunions. I saw that feedback going in and I was trying to watch it through that lens. I didn't find it to be, from where I sat, upsetting. I thought that it was a very, very frustrating situation and he dealt with it to the best of his ability. Did he raise his voice at times? Yes. Is that the best thing in the world? No. But you know, we're only seeing three hours total of this. They were there for probably nine. He's only human at the end of the day. I didn't find it to be offensive. I wanted to raise my voice like that from watching from home. Exactly. I just can't believe we had a Jacqueline Larita and a Dina Manzo name drop in our 2023 reunion. I know. Let's just let that sink in for a second. Well, that actually was interesting. And I know Melissa had said this earlier, which is like, it's not that Joe was not telling the truth about the Dina thing, but it was wrong of Joe to bring it to the show. Because obviously the last thing that Dina and David want is any sort of, any of this thing being publicized. Right. But- it, it, to me, I don't know how other people took it. To me, it didn't feel as though they were backtracking on what they said in terms of like, it wasn't true. It was more so they were acknowledging this is one of those things they will allow to die out of respect for Dina and David and their privacy. Yeah. For Melissa and Joe, I think that they realized this wasn't the hill to die on. But in the moment, of course, Joe's going to throw out anything he knows. And it wasn't worth getting into and it wasn't worth hearing Teresa because I think for Teresa, Dina sort of falls in the category of like Andy, where, like I was saying, they can do no wrong and there's a lot of respect there. And I think she really cares about having a relationship with Dina, but also what Dina thinks about her, even though Dina didn't come to her wedding. And I think personally that that was probably instigated by the fact that there was some miscommunication, fight, whatever, between 
Dave and Louie going on around business and money. But that is one thing where like, if I had a crystal ball and I could ask it a couple crazy questions, I think honestly, I'd want to know what the fuck is going on with Dina and Teresa and what just everything about Dina is fascinating. I know she is the one that has always remained interesting to me. I think it's because, you know, people always talk about this concept in the age of social media of managing to still be mysterious, which seems mm-hmm. to be increasingly harder to do. And there's something about Dina Manzo where while still being active on social media, she still feels like just deeply mysterious. And I, for some reason, am very drawn to that. I'm just curious about her. Like I, I exist in a constant state of curiosity about Dina Manzo. Same. I think a lot of it stemmed from her having to like literally protect her privacy and also just doing such early days of housewives and it being such a crazy life altering experience. But also I think she likes going on her Instagram lives and posting her cryptic quotes and talking about her cats and her yoga and her healing beads and people writing like, what's going on with you and Jacqueline Teresa? And she doesn't answer. And I think she, she gets off on that power a little bit. I think so too, which I I honestly can't blame her. But I want to go back to the Gia thing for a second because obviously, you know, that was a moment anytime that's brought up, but specifically when Teresa gets her on the phone. And, you know, I I like to tread lightly when we're talking about something here, even though Gia's an adult, she's still a kid. I think my thing is like, first of all, I'm not saying whether or not Gia said that. Do I think that Joe Gorga is making it up? No, but also who knows? At this point, it's his word against hers. But the fact that Teresa calling up Gia and that being the ultimate proof as to whether or not Joe Gorgo is telling the truth, that's just not something that I'm going to buy. Because, listen, I think Teresa has a very close and beautiful relationship with her kids. At the end of the day, they feel equally as protective over her as she feels over them. And no matter what, before Gia is going to recount exactly what happened in an interaction with her and Joe, she is going to make sure that her story is aligned with Teresa and she is only helping Teresa's case. And I'm not blaming Gia for that. You know, no one's asking her to go against her mom. But did that add an element of this being more riveting television? Yes. Did that make me believe the story anymore? No. Like Teresa calling up Gia to corroborate what she's saying, that's just, to me, that's not the proof that I think she thinks it is. No. And by the way, like it is very possible Gia could have said like, come on, Joe, you could do better than this. Like this is so gross and low and whatever comment she made. I don't know if she necessarily sat him down and said, oh, Uncle Joe, you could do better than Melissa. I need you to leave her and for my cousins, divorce your wife and you could go out there and fight. Like, I don't think it was that intense. It could have been a throwaway comment. But again, Louie backstage with the, I think actually what she meant was talking about the wedding, like you're better than this and you can come to the wedding and do it for no, no, and no, not. Like, that's not like, oh, it was just a misunderstanding. Like, Louie, come on. Like, it's almost laughable at that point. That scares me about him. Right. Like, does he think that sounds good and smart? But it's not, it's it's how convincingly he says it and how quickly he's able to shift things. And again, I'm not even saying technically that that could not be the case. I actually think it's possible. Like I will, I'll go as far as to say that I actually think it's possible that, that, that is what Gia said or meant. And you know, Joe is so conditioned to think she means something else that that's what he heard in the heat of the moment. I will give them that. It's more so the way that Louis just so calmly yet boldly yet manipulatively, like crafts these arguments. And then you see the way that Teresa kind of leans into it. It's just, it's not a good combo, the two of them together, because she is one, too easily manipulated. And two, 
she values loyalty in such a way that I think at this point she would rather loyalty, even if it's coming from a darker place than someone she views to have been disloyal either in the present or in the past. And like, because he leans so into the loyalty card, he's got her. Well, and her definition of loyalty, whether she knows it or not, is only blind loyalty. Like there is no other option. And I think about this moment with the Gia and Louis comment and whatever he said, you're right. It wasn't so much about the content of the comment or whatever he said, she said, but more watching that interaction go down and him come up with this and and the way he tells the story and the way that he, by the way, never said that on stage and corrected it all of a sudden backstage and there's an answer and how Teresa's like, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. She would never say that and goes along with him and feels like, because I think people listen sometimes to what Louis says, or he says things in what she views as like a smarter, more assuring way. She just, she follows along with it. So watching that interaction go down was the most telling part of it, no matter what they were talking about. Exactly. That, that's what I'm saying. Like it, it just gives you a little glimpse into the way these stories are crafted and the way in which I think she is in such awe of his ability to kind of navigate these things. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I really am at the core of it, honestly, even though I I would say if you're asking me if I'm like fed up with the Melissa Teresa beef, absolutely yes. I'm sad. I'm so sad that they're each other's only family members. They were so close to their parents who they adored more than anything. Their parents have both left them and they're in this mess. Like it didn't have to be like this, you know, it just so, it just sucks. It sucks because you think what would have happened if the show wasn't around, if Melissa never joined the show, if Melissa joined the show in a different way, like would they be living happily ever after? It's also frustrating because you almost feel like Teresa got a second chance with this, with her whole life, of course, after jail, but also with her marriage, her relationship, everything. And 
I'm not saying she blew it, just everyone blew it. Like you literally got handed on a silver platter. And I think we felt really optimistic and hopeful when Louis entered the equation that this was the, the next chapter for the Gorgas and for Teresa. And here we are. I don't know this future of the show. I mean, Andy clarified that everyone really ran with this like jerseys on pause when in reality, of course, they always take a pause. And he was saying like, you know, it's, it's a lot for me to say like no cameras, we all need to take a beat, but that's just how deep that this got. And I I just don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they'll bring both back, if they'll bring just one of them back. I don't know if they can do that. I think that creates like a really difficult narrative of that one of them sort of won. I mean, not that they care, but I really don't know what the solution is or where we go from here in life, but also in the show. No, I agree. It's going to be really interesting the way this plays out because to me, there's no world in which either one of them walks away voluntarily for financial purposes, for fame purposes, for relevance purposes, and then, you know, for ego and pride. I, but, you know, what I was just saying a second ago about Teresa and the way in which she values loyalty, it also creates a real issue with the rest of the cast because. You know, at this point, I'm not saying that she would say like, Dolores, if you film with Melissa, you're dead to me. But I do think that for some of the other cast members, like a, you know, Dolores, potentially like a Danielle, Jennifer, obviously, you know, will do anything. It's it's a little bit of an uncomfortable spot that I could see them being put in because I think it would start to impact their relationship with Teresa because of her unwillingness to allow for like a, a middle ground, which I actually, that's what I want to say to you about the Dolores thing. Listen. I know there are a lot of, you know, DMs floating around in terms of what was the real story with Frankie Jr. and Louie. And both Frankie, Dolores, Louie, they are all maintaining the story that everything was totally amicable. Frankie went to another company and that's that. Again, who are we to say whether or not that happened? If you're asking me just what I think, I think what Frank told Joe Gorga at the construction site is probably a lot more of the story, but you saw the way that Dolores reacted tonight, which is prime example of what we were saying earlier in this episode of like, there's this code in which I think is unspoken. That's a, that's exactly what I mean. Like Dolores may know that Louis on some level didn't handle everything in a totally kosher way with her son, but the fact that Louis initially gave him the opportunity to her, that is something you are eternally grateful for. And that is something that you don't kind of discredit. So is it possible that this whole thing went down in a kind of fucked up way? Absolutely. But I think for Dolores, it's the same loyalty that Teresa views things through. It's that lens of like, he put himself out there. He, you know, he stuck his neck out for my son. He initially gave him the job and that's that. And I'm not going deeper. And she saw, she gave Frank the eyes and Frank said, I'm not going there. So it's, you know, you're dealing with with people that really value that, which is a great thing, but also can potentially provide some challenges for making a TV show when half the people aren't speaking. Right. And where there are so many things or topics that are unspoken because they refuse to speak about them. I think it was anything that had to do with Frankie. It was that, like you said, they felt indebted to Louie. And also, honestly, it's fucked up, but I think Louie's tactics work a little bit. They're not trying to put Frankie Jr. in the line of fire by talking shit about Louie and his business and get him involved in that bullshit. No way. They're keeping themselves out of it. Of course, they want to keep their son out of it. So I I don't blame them. But like, yeah, if I'm a betting woman, of course, what I think Frank said and that there's something sketchy going on there. But I just think it was not at all worth it. 
Exactly. And there's no bad blood. So they're not trying to pick a fight. No, no, no. And you evaluate what's worth it. And going yeah. there with Frankie is not worth it. And also, by the way, what Dolores says goes. So, right. That's forget the, it. the world I'm living in. That's the world that I'm fucking living in. Yeah. Polly and Frank getting along. I know. That's what I was going to say. Like, we were, I don't know. If, did we post that comment yet? Or no, or no, I'm about to. I'm about to. Yeah. This, there's a comment that we just saw of, of Frank responding to, to a, a commenter basically saying, like, don't worry. Our family is great. Everything else aside, we're great. Polly, Brittany, all of it is great. So that is something that makes me feel very comforted because between Croy and Kim and the Gorgas and like, no, no, let like, there let there be love. Let there let be there light. be peace, peace let on there earth. Be peace, yes. I mean, listen, did, did we go through every bullet point? No, but at, at a certain point, it's just kind of like beating a dead horse. And I, I don't know, you guys, there's one hell of a. One hell of a reunion. I would say significantly better reunions than it was a season. Do you yes. feel that way? Yeah. 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 Because I like when they talk it out instead of like live it. Because a lot yeah. of it lived is not so interesting and is again like the same old shit, but really digging into the details and getting to the state of their relationship, that that's the meat. Exactly. Okay, well, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we will resume normal show schedules next week. We love you guys. 